We are in week 18 of Come Follow Me, and that is Exodus chapters 24 and then 31 through 34. And I want to start in verse 1 of chapter 24, and it says, And he said unto Moses, this is the Lord, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. Okay, so they're coming and separating themselves from the people, but they're coming closer to the Lord, but still a ways off. And then verse 2, And Moses alone shall come near the Lord. And it just reminded me of last week where they were invited to come. And once they heard the thunder and the lightning, they were terrified. And they said to Moses, you go. And while he's gone, they totally corrupt themselves, right? So here, um, the Lord gives this option to, to come. Or the people say they don't want to come. That was last week. They're going to corrupt themselves this week. Sorry. So the Lord says, just Moses come. And he does separate these other leaders and lets them come nearer him. And into my head comes the three degrees, again, like I talked about last week of glory, that we get to pick which level we want to be, where our comfort is. Are we going to be comfortable living with God, living with Adam, living with Nephi, living with Moses? Are we going to feel comfortable there? Or are we going to say, you know what, just a little distance? Or are we going to not want to draw near at all? And it really is our choice. Okay, so verse 12, um, and they say several times to him, all that the Lord says to do, we will do, right? Verse 12, and the Lord says to Moses, come up to me in the mount and be there. And I will give thee tables of stone and a law of commandments, which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua. And I think it's interesting. I don't think I had registered or let it sink in before that no wonder Joshua is the next. He's right there with Moses. It isn't Aaron. It's Joshua who goes with him into the mountain. And so that that was a cool thing to realize. And Moses goes up, and as you know, things go awry. Okay, um, the thought that I had here is once upon a time, I taught a lesson in seminary, and we talked about Pilate, and we talked about Nicodemus. And I had asked my students if they thought that Pilate could truly wash his hands of the crucifixion of the Savior. He tried, right? He offered them to have one prisoner go free. He, did, he said, I find no fault in him. He tried and tried and tried. But eventually the people demand and he delivers Christ. He even scourges him and then delivers him to be crucified. And so the point I had in my head is you can't do that. You don't get to wash your hands of that. You still delivered him. But it was so interesting as I went in one of the classes, the class said he did all he could. It was the people. And that so bothered me. I was like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. And I came home and I really prayed about it and studied about it. And what came very, very clearly, because in the same chapter is the story of Nicodemus. And what just so touched my heart and opened my mind is that God blesses us for what we do do, not what we don't. He doesn't punish us. 
there are just blessings we keep ourselves from. And if you've seen The Chosen, I think I became a fan once I saw the episode with Nicodemus when he comes and he's so torn and he can't decide if he should leave his people and follow Christ, which he so wants to do, or if he has this responsibility to his family and his people. And he has a conversation with his wife and she doesn't know he's been invited to come, but it really is this conflict for him. So he comes and he puts money there. And all of this is of course um, with some of their creative liberties. But you see the Savior say when he finds the money, you came so close, my friend. And Nicodemus just cries. He is heartbroken as they leave. He's hiding behind the wall. That's when I became a fan. Because I thought, what am I keeping myself from? Because it's too hard, too much work, too great a sacrifice, too scary. And as I read these this chapter in these verses, it really makes me think, how far am I? Am I with the people? Have I separated myself a little? Or am I willing to go up into the mountain and get the further light and understanding, the further blessings that come that God has waiting for us? Or am I content in this lower level, this lower glory, this lower expectation? Am I happy enough? And here's what just pulls up my heartstrings. I don't want to be happy enough, but sometimes I'm afraid I think I am. I think I tell myself I'm content and it's all our choice. And so the question that as I read that constantly is in my head is what blessings, what further understanding, what further light, what further blessings am I keeping myself from? Because I'm afraid, because I don't want to do what's required, because it's scary and it's effort and it's work and it's not the popular choice and I don't want to go alone. So if you turn to verse 32, or chapter 32, excuse me, I'm sorry, in verse 10, so the people have done this golden calf, and it is disappointing that Aaron, who is Moses's, you know, spokesman, is the one who creates it, and he kind of shifts blame, it came out. Verse 10, it says, Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, this is God, and that I may consume them. I will make of thee a great nation. And that's so interesting to me because he's not blaming Moses. Moses wasn't there. So that promise that he made to Moses that he would make of them a great nation still stands. And I just find it so touching as you jump to verse 30 that Moses says to the people, you have sinned a great sin. He doesn't excuse them. I will go to the Lord. I will make an atonement for you. And that is so touching to me that he is willing. God still promises him everything as he does the Savior. But Moses loves the people and wants them included in this blessing. Okay, um, and I do love that Aaron says in verse 21, the people, as he excuses himself, the people were set on mischief. How many times do we feel as parents 
that our people are set on mischief, but we don't wash our hands of it. We don't give up. If we're good parents, we continue to teach them, to guide them, to let them have consequences if we truly love them. We don't give in and create a golden calf for them. Okay, verse 32. And now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou has written. He is willing to take that. Moses is willing. Okay, now turn to chapter 33. And um, it again, Moses goes to talk to the Lord in the tabernacle. And what so touched me is in verse 8. The people go and they stood every man at his door looking after Moses. Verse 9, and the Lord talked with Moses. And the people are sorry and they're watching and they're hoping and they're praying for forgiveness and that God will allow them to try again. And that's so touching to me. 16, and wherein shall it be known here? that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. This is Moses. Let it be known that I have found grace in thy sight in thy people. And I love that he includes himself in this. And this is what the Savior says constantly, that he will be an advocate for us, that he will plead our case because he knows our pains, our weaknesses, our sorrows, that he will go and say, if I have found grace and if thy people have found grace, and I love that he calls them thy people. He doesn't say these sinners, these rotten you know, people that you were trying to make more, he calls them thy people, like give them another chance. And that's so touching. Okay, chapter 34, verse three. He invites Moses up again. And then he says, and no man shall come up with thee. They've lost their chance. That invitation is gone. And that's the consequence. So can they become more? Yes. But the invitation to become as Moses and to come and see God and speak with him is gone. And that is gut-wrenching that they have lost that opportunity, but they still want to be made more. Verse 9, and he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. So again, he's saying, please walk with us. Please walk with us and prove us. We will do better. And the Lord said, Behold, I will make a covenant in verse 10. Behold, all thy people, I will do marvels such as have not been done in the earth. So he says, watch, and I will do great things. He's letting them have this opportunity again to be his people. And then in 13, but ye shall destroy their altars. He's talking about the lands. He will deliver to them and again, give them this promised land. He's going to give them another opportunity. He's going to give them the lower law. He's going to let them work and prove themselves. They've lost this chance to see him face to face and speak with him now, but they can earn it, right? They can earn it again. And then he says in verse 13, but you shall destroy their altars. So these lands they take and, and their graven images and cut down their groves in verse 14. And thou shalt worship no other gods. You can prove it by proving to me that I will be thy only God, singular, prove it. And as you go, and he goes through these verses and he tells them what their feasts will look like, what their worship will look like, and the Sabbath day thou wilt hallow and make it sacred, his day. 
And the Lord said to Moses in verse 27, Write thou these words. I have made a covenant with thee in Israel. And then he invites him back up for the 40 days. And Moses goes back up and gets the Ten Commandments, which is the lower law, a lesser law. It's not the Melchizedek priesthood. They don't get the temple law. They don't get the opportunity to be in his presence. They can now listen to the prophet and take it as his voice. And that was their choice. That was what they wanted. So God is allowing that. Moses speaks as their advocate, softens God's heart, and allows them the opportunity to learn and grow. But I love that the people come to the tent door. I love the sorrow in their heart, their repentance, and that they are trying. But what's so touching to me again is that thought of what am I keeping myself from? What greater blessings, what greater instruction, what greater light and understanding and knowledge because I have removed myself or are fearful to go up to the mountain and dwell with God or hear his voice or ask him for answers and for knowledge. And I just think that's a great question to ask ourselves. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.